This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. everyone and welcome to Pure Perspective, a monthly podcast looking back at some of the most important moments, storylines, matches, angles and shows from all your favourite Pure Resu companies. For those that remember, myself and Chris had a New Japan podcast way back when called the Young Lion Cast, but we simply couldn't keep up with that, stardom and all the other wrestling we watched so it ground to a halt. However, during that podcast's dying days, we started a retrospective on the Okada vs Tanahashi feud starting back in 2012, and it was something we loved doing, but never finished. So the first three episodes of this podcast run will be the repackaged Young Lioncast episodes, and will be released weekly on a Sunday at 11pm British Standard Time, before we jump into the end of 2013, post-invasion attack, to continue the story. We hope you enjoy listening and will join us as we delve deeper into the rich and storied history of Pura Resu. I'm your host, Rob Gooden, and I am joined as ever by the young lion himself, Chris O'Brien. How are you, Chris? Is that me looking only throw a power slam? Uh, you like can that. do that, and you can lock in one Boston Crabber match, but only one. Okay, and sometimes um, Suzuki slaps the shit out of me. I imagine you'd be quite all right with that. I mean, like... <laughs> Just... <sighs> Depends where he slaps me. Wow. Wow, Chris. Just wow. <laughs> I literally don't know how to respond to that. Just the idea of Suzuki slapping you on the arse. Just bloody hell. I mean... I mean, like, I, just, I somehow imagine that Suzuki's very vanilla in bed. Like, he gets all his weird stuff out in the ring. <laughs> like biting the ropes and shit like that. Yeah, like, and then Melly's just like, okay, they're in mystery position, let's get over silver. We're only here for conception, <laughs> but it's all. In, out, done, good night. <laughs> so, uh, before we start, Chris, what is your tipple of choice for today? Water. Right. <clears throat> I feel like, Chris, we need just to have a little chat before we start this podcast, because the last couple that we've done, the main podcast, the Stardom cast, and indeed the Young Lion cast over the last few weeks, even months, you have been choosing water, or even worse, Poundland Coke. And I feel like, as... <laughs> Hang on, on the last main cast, I was drinking bourbon. I don't ah, but I wasn't part of that. I wasn't part of that podcast. You see, no, 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 not the in your house one. The weekend wrestling. Were you? Yeah. I've never been prouder. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say you need to drink more. I basically want you to turn up to tomorrow's recording for the main session. Just absolutely fucking hammered, oh, trolleyed. Tomorrow's like you can um the Asda up at Dunbar only allows one person per family to go in. So tomorrow's shopping day. So I might. I'm thinking about asking my dad for. But also, like, I have to make whatever I say from my sass last me until this fucking pandemic's over and I can get a job. 
I love the fact... Oh, shit. Drop me bottle opener. Um, I love the fact that the local Asda in your shop... Oh, sorry, in your town, knows everyone in your town to the point where they can only allow one person from each family into I that could, building. I could probably get away with it, but also, it's miles away, and my dad... And I don't want to have to walk there. <laughs> Just you entering the building. Is it Jesus? Oh, no, it's Chris. <sighs> <laughs> has the revelation come no it's chris um so ladies and gentlemen when we left you last um we had come off the back of wrestle kingdom 7 hiroshi tanahashi had beaten kazuchika okada to retain his iwgp heavyweight championship effectively putting to bed that chapter in the book that is the feud of tanahashi and okada however as you know with any book where one chapter ends, another starts, unless you're at the end of the book. So what we are doing today is... And then there's a sequel. There's always, always inferior. Always. Um, Harry Potter. You think Chamber of Secrets is better than uh, Philosopher's Stone? No, but then Prisoner of Azkaban. The book, not the film, I'm afraid. No, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is better than Philosopher's Stone, and then like the best one is... Probably Goblet of Fire, but then Phoenix, um, Order of the Phoenix got a little bit bloated. But Half-Blood Prince, I love that book. But then Deathly Hallows, I don't know, I felt like she was sort of scrambling for an ending and it basically ended with, oh, they shacked up with people they met when they were 11. And Yeah, I yeah. mean, if, you, if you've never read the Harry Potter books, that is a pretty good summary. You know, shit happens and then they shack up with people they met in uh, year one of Hogwarts. So... And, then there's, and then there's The Cursed Child, which is, I hate, it's like the worst form of fan fiction. And not only that, there's a love triangle between the Mal um, Malfoy son, H Harry's son, and a 23-year-old. I'm like, let the little kids be gay. Why involve a 23-year-old? They're, they're like 11 years old. Stop it. Can we just appreciate for a moment in that book that the lady on the train... Spoilers, by the way. The lady on the train turns into the fucking Terminator when someone tries to get off. What the fuck is that bollocks about? Yeah. To be fair, you know what's funny? I didn't actually finish Cursed Child. I, but, like, you know how it has, like, the bindings? And yes. Put, like, and, and you're meant to use that as a bookmark. Well, I did, because I didn't have a bookmark. But the thing is, I didn't put it on my shelf. It was on my windowsill, so you can literally see from, like, sun damage where I stopped reading. <laughs> I'll be honest, Chris, you are missing absolutely nothing. However, that doesn't mean that if the opportunity were to present itself, I wouldn't go and see it in London. I'd... Oh, I just... I'd be, I'd be more than happy seeing it, but like also I'd be like drunk and laughing the whole time. It's basically like going to take over. I'd be chanting as well, <laughs> just, just in the just... middle, <laughs> just in the middle. One fall. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, Okada is coming out of the Tokyo Dome in 2013, having lost again to Hiroshi Tanahashi. And this is where we embark on episode four of our deep dive into the feud between Tanahashi and Okada. We've got our three matches set for today. However, Chris, I know you want to talk about some of the contextual matches before we deep dive into our first match. So if you want to give some background, feel free. Okay, so... Um... It's a weird one bit. Well, it's not weird. It's just these two matches are probably better than the matches we're covering. It's well, actually, not the Okada. Actually, not the anniversary match. But it's definitely better than that fucking 
New Japan Cup match. Um, but they're important to the story, but not as important leading into this. It's basically just a title defense and Okada getting beaten by Suzuki. Because that's a thing. I'm not even sure how they ended up feuding. It must have happened. Something must have happened at Dash. And then. Yeah, maybe. And then Tanner took on Anderson, which is much I want to talk about because it's surprisingly good. Yeah, again, I will just say that, you know, coming off the G1 Climax 22, where he got to the final, lost to Okada, uh, and then lost to Okada at King of Pro Wrestling in apparently what was another good match. I am, you know, I now understand that Anderson is a good worker, but as a character, you know, there wasn't much further he was going to go. Oh, that's, that's still an issue, except he was super over here. Do you think he was super over, or do you think, well, I know that Tanahashi is God in New Japan, but do you think, because I'm going to ask this later on in our actual Okada versus Tanahashi match for this episode, do you think they they were just ready for something a little bit different, potentially? Maybe, but also, like, Tana was getting more overtly heelish around this time, so he was sort of earning his boots. Yeah, and that, that does come into play in our first match, actually. Um, but yeah, this match is actually an underrated gem. It's not as good as um, star ratings would have you believe, in my opinion. Although, like, the cage match um, rating of nine does back it up. But Really? Cage match giving it a nine? Cage, ma- um, cage match voted at nine. Um, some of that includes more recent, but, like, even ones at the time are giving it between a nine and a ten. Um but like as you get further removed, um, there's more people not liking it until you get to 2017 when Anderson and Gallows ended up in the Fed and people are going back going, oh, isn't Kyle Anderson amazing? Because they want to pretend they know about New Japan. And those fans annoy me. Um, just be honest. I don't know. Anyway, this match is, this match is it is really good. But like it, it, to, for me, it's just another defense for Tanner. Like, and he got, he got Anderson over pretty well. Yeah, um, it sort of it sort of doesn't help that you look at the top guy in New Japan. You look at that belt, and yes, Bob Sapp has held it. Yes, Brock Lesnar's held it. I know that, but at you, this point, it was more prestigious. Exactly, you are not going to put it Cham- on Carl Anderson. Championship prestige goes in ebbs and flows. For example, around this time, we had Rob Conway as NWA champion. As like fuck was that championship the most prestigious belt in the world or ever at that point because Rob Conway had held it and he was in the title scene until at least 2015 because when I was doing my watch for 2015 earlier this year, he was still fucking there. I hate that man. I hate that man. Um, but yeah, like it goes in ebbs and flows when the mid-2000s with IWGP championship meant nothing. <laughs> and now it means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um it is important, as you said, that um, did you meant you mentioned Suzuki and Okada? Obviously, that comes into play but like, that's later on. Another, yeah, but that's another sort of. I, I wouldn't say it's not a weak match per se, but like when I think of Okada Suzuki, I think of that match at New Beginning um, in 2017. That was like a low key match of the year contender, and here it's just fine. Yeah, I mean, their Royal Quest match from last year was absolutely phenomenal. I really enjoyed that oh, match. It's nowhere near as good as that one. Like, this is like a low eight for me, and mm. uh, Royal Quest, I was like a low nine. So, what's your favorite Okada versus Suzuki match? Oh, um, New Beginning. It was like um, New Beginning 2017. It was just a fucking. It was essentially a um, 40 minute leg match. I loved it. 
Do you prefer that to their 30 minute time limit draw in the G1? Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to check. Right. Anyway, moving on from New Beginning, and we take two very different paths. We're going to start by picking up Tanahashi's narrative. And at the anniversary show, the 41st anniversary show on the 3rd of March from Corrigan Hall, he is taking on the semi, well, taking on in the semi-regular IWGP heavyweight champion versus IWGP junior heavyweight champion stakes. He is taking on the now Finn Balor, Prince Devitt. Um, Chris. Oh, have you Sorry from um, Fergal about how he got the name printed out of it. Please do, please tell me. So he went, so like he was told to think of a new name because um, the Japanese commentary couldn't say Fergal properly. And they were like, we're just going to give you a new name because it's easier than our commentators having to learn how to say Fergal. So he went up to um, Gado and was like, what about King Devitt? And he, and he thought for a second, like, hmm, no. Prince Devitt. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which, like, it, that could either be a comment on how, like, young Devitt was, or it could be an absolute dick. Yeah, Because then, absolutely. like, what, like, Ricochet comes in and is King Ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> Bala's just like, dick! <laughs> My fucking gimmick! No wonder he started Bullet Club. Anyway, um, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> So, I know that you enjoy this, so do you want to just quickly, before we get onto this, do you want to talk about the undercard? Yeah, because the undercard's a bit weird. Again, it's just, in a pre-Bullet Club world, some of these um, pairings are just bizarre. For example, Goto, Anderson, Taguchi, and Tamatonga. It's just weird seeing those four names together now, isn't it? Yeah, versus Super Strong Machine, Inui, I can't say properly, Inui. Inui. Um, Yuji Nagata and Captain New Japan. The most overman in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes, but also, we had Sho and Yo taking on Taki Watanabe, who is evil, and um, Hiromu Takahashi. I would legitimately pop if that was a match now. Yeah, but if that was announced, it's like, oh, cool. Evil's definitely going to pin one of Rapunky Free Gay, but cool. Um, and then you have um, Time Splitters, who I miss every day. Um, they turned up in like NXT one time and then we didn't continue using them and it's like, uh, why you're not doing anything else with Kushida? And then um, taking on Liger and Tiger Mask, who like I'm not a fan of as a team. They've been teaming for years and still haven't gelled. It it was a weird one. I mean, they were they weren't inherently bad. It was just I think you expected a little bit more, a little bit more fireworks from the team than we actually got. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, there's Tenkoji. With Nakanishi and Makabe taking on Izuka, who was in um, Chaos at the time, Yano, Yoshihashi, and uh, Yujiro Takahashi. You know what I miss, Rob? If you say Takahashi's blonde hair, I'm going to hit you. No, um, Izuka's... <laughs> no! Uh, no, no, you're Izuka I really miss him. Every young lion, you'd be there going, oh, he's so bad. And it's like, well, he's on the undercard. Why do you care? And you cared so much, Rob. <laughs> I did care, and I cared a little bit more than I should have done. Um, it's placated me now that he has retired. You know, he had a relatively good career, a fucking long career. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm happy. It's amazing. Like, for example, um, Mr. Hughes is still wrestling. How? <laughs> you say wrestling. He couldn't wrestle in 1994. Well, yeah, like the best thing you can be in wrestling is tall. You'll have a job for life. Um, look at the great Carly. <laughs> look at the great. 
What does he, where's he work? No, he has his own promotion now, doesn't he? I don't know, does he? <laughs> That's what I heard. He's doing like Wagner-style call-outs on um, his phone. Like you can pay him like 15 quid, then he'll do a call-out. So doing that for your birthday. Why don't you just do it for the podcast? Have like Simon Miller and the great, like this is my great colleague. Welcome to Podmania Pro. We should see how much, we should actually see how much that costs. Like how much how much is a rupee to a pound? We're getting sidetracked. Um just to mention what Akada was doing on this card, he was teaming with Gado, Ishii, and Jada um against the Suzuki gun team of um DH Smith, um Mashimi, I can't say it, Mashimo. Kengo sure. Mashima. Thank you. Um, Takamichi Noki and Minoru Suzuki. Which is, I can't take a cage match for a decent match. Um, Nakamura took on Lance Archer. Sure. Um, and, but I guess I guess it's because like New Japan naturally likes having factions warring and because Tanahashi doesn't have a faction, this is what Chaos was doing while we were waiting for the next Okada match. Um, and then Tana versus Devitt, which is what we're talking about now. What do, what do you think of this match? Um... This was where, obviously, I didn't see the new beginning matches till after um, I'd seen this match. This was the first of the run that I watched. And it was here that I noticed that Tanahashi had not transitioned full heel. He never turns full heel. But there was an arrogance and a swagger to him in this match. And at no point, um, even I think during Devitt's period of being on top, I don't think there was any point where Tanahashi legitimately thought that he was in trouble against Devitt. And it's a shame no. because Devitt here produced some really good work. Those opening exchanges were glass smooth. I mean, these two yeah. could have put on, you know, a five-star classic if they were given the stakes. Um, I think it suffered a little bit from, you know, as I mentioned, not having those stakes, but it was still a really, really good match. Tanahashi made Devitt look great. Devitt was put over big during this match. Incredibly over with the Corican crowd, Devitt. Um, which, you know, I think helped when his inevitable heel turn came and he formed the well, Bullet Club. As a junior, he, he consistently put on, like, matches of the night on the undercard. So, like... Well, look at his match at Wrestle Kingdom 7. Yeah, that was great. Also, the, there was an Apollo 55 match against the Golden Lovers, which, of course, was amazing. Actually, I say that, but Penny Omega was kind of shit before 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and then was kind of shit after 2019. <laughs> he's not shit. He's just in the wrong position on the card, in my opinion. I don't think he's yeah. shit. I just don't. I mean, you can't call him shit. You look at the match that he and Angman Page had against Pentagon and Phoenix. You look at his Iron Man match against Pac. The match between him and um, Hangman against the Bucks. He's had. Pardon me, he's had great matches. He's just not in a pronounced enough position, in it, my opinion. He's essentially getting Hangman over. Yeah, and to be fair, why not? If a little bit of star power rubs off, great. And it has done. I mean, Hangman Page is fucking well over. Yeah, it's rubbed off all over his face. Um... Ew. <laughs> why do you think he drinks? Um, but yeah, this match was great. Um, both men... Had a had a strategy going into this one, like Devitt going for just drop kicks of plenty. Yeah, so many drop kicks. That was something like, I did want to talk about in a minute, actually. Like um, his drop kicks is essentially what the lariat is to Ishii. <laughs> just like just constant drop kicks. Um, Tana, well, too bad. You said an absolute dick in this. Like my biggest thing was him just posing when we got tangled up in the ropes, but also. 
David did play um, guitar on Tanahashi Das. He did, which was amazing during the abdominal stretch. It was yeah. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Let's be honest, we'll, we'll definitely get into this, but heel David is so much better than face David. Like how, like he said, it, like he, David's not quite looking himself in this in this match. You know him, like most of. I'm pretty sure both of our first exposure to him was when he became Balor in, in um, NXT. But like when he's not wearing black, I don't. I don't really want to. We've talked before, you know, and we've used the phrase quite a lot of why meet babyface. And. Mm. Oh, so white. Yeah. The whitest. Ballot was, well, let's stop calling him Ballot. Devitt was great in the ring. And from a purely in ring standpoint, this match is great. I mean, Meltzer gave it four and a quarter stars. It's a great match. It's a really, really interesting watch. Please go and check it out. The 41st anniversary show. The problem is. You look at the charisma and just the general aura around Tanahashi, and I know that he's the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And you know, no matter what, how you spin it, they are a step. That is a step above the Junior Heavyweight Championship in prestige and in how it's booked. Tanahashi is the star. He has an aura. Devitt doesn't have that. Not as a face, anyway. However, like you mentioned, those flashes of heel. You know, where he mocks Tanahashi's stance, where he mocks the um, the air guitar on his abs and does things like that. You can see... Little... Like... Say again? Like when, when he actually like goes for limbs. Yeah, exactly. He's got that little bit of charisma, but I don't think he had it in spades here. I think it was just a case of it was a good match with two good competitors and Tanahashi was the star of the match. And I think that's... <laughs> All that can be said, really. Devitt is a great in-ring competitor, always has been, but I think he struggled as a face, just like he did in WWE. He was, he could never really, there was never really anything there as a baby face. Well, when that mixed TV, it was. I don't, but like the main roster can't book anyone who's under six foot one properly. No, and that's with the crowd's blessing. But even so, you know, even when he was in NXT. You know, he wasn't a full-blown face. He did heelish things. You know what I really miss? is about those roundhouses he was doing near the end of his match. Yeah, I haven't seen him do those in years. It's probably because, like, they're probably a bitch today, and he can get away with doing much... Like, right now, he can do um, get the crowd engaged with much less, as seen in this fucking Gargano match. So, like, if you can do that, why not? Like, from what I've, I saw an interview with Simon Gotch, and he said he saw um, he saw Japan as sort of his art, and now he was going to the Fed to make his money. And apparently, he was making six figures in merch in NXT, which is crazy. Just in merch without his contract. Just in merch. Fucking hell! I know. Um, what did you give this match overall? Um, a high seven, low eight. I gave it a high seven. Now that's nothing against the match. Seven still. Above average, far above average. Like, it's a three like, and a half yeah. star. Tanahashi doesn't have a have a history of being very giving to juniors, so like it's pretty, it's a miracle it was Viscus. Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing that I feel in the finish was it it came out of nowhere. I don't feel like there was, you know, the it's build. Yeah, there was no road to it. Um we all talk about that finishing stretch and how that can really elevate a match and i feel that lacked this a little bit 
and the high fly flow came from you know pretty much nowhere i feel like this match almost had another minute in it it was like they sort of went right we need to we need to finish now where they missed out the entire finishing stretch the entire closing stretch that's not to say this match isn't good it is good as we've already said but with stakes and with a more charismatic debit which we will get to oh boy will we get to you are going to get a better match however no stakes white meat babyface debit with you know perhaps not the chance to show his charisma in the way that he would potentially like to or potentially can do i think giving it seven stars is appropriate really so with that, we go and we check in with Kazuchika Okada, who, of course, had his match with uh, Minoru Suzuki at the new beginning and then went into the New Japan Cup 2013, hoping to win it to get another shot at the gold. So on his way to the final, uh, he defeated Lance Archer in the first round via submission. That is important. Uh, he then beat his old foe, Carl Anderson, in round two uh, via pinfall. Defeated Tori Yano in the semi-final uh, on March 23rd. Both semi-finals and the final took place on one night. Uh, he defeated Tori Yano again by submission. That is really important. And then went on to the final in the main event of March 23rd. When there, he would face Here's old ne- another old nemesis of Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto, who, when he realised it was Okada in the final, probably went, oh, for fuck's sake, not again. Um, to be like, um, I'm looking through the history of the New Japan Cup. Goto's in the final so often. Yeah, it's it's oh, difficult uh, to say that he's a bottler, um, but um, he 2012, is. 2013, 2015, 2016. 16. Doesn't he win it in 2016? No. Um, Naito wins it in 2016. That's how he oh, won of course, yeah, of course. He won it last year, though. In 2012? Yeah. Were you very confused for a second, thinking he didn't win this? I was just going to say, that's not why we're covering this. Yeah, of course, he won it in uh, 2012, when he went on to face Okada at Wrestling Dontaku. Go and check out episode two of our podcast. Um, Speaking of Goto, his path to the New Japan Cup final start on the 11th of March uh, against Tamatonga, who he defeated via pinfall in 9 minutes and 37 seconds. He then went on to face Tomohiro Ishii, his future stablemate, pinning him in 1846. Uh, in his semi-final then, he went on and defeated Davy Boy Smith Jr. in 8 minutes and 14 seconds too, as I said, s- set up that final match between himself and Okada. <laughs> Chris, I believe you have points on this match, and you said it in a way that made me think he doesn't particularly like this match. So enlighten me further, buddy. This match was dull as pig shit. I was so bored. Okay, what about it made you that bored? It didn't do a lot to distinguish itself, at least for me, from its um, match at um, in Fukuoka the year before um, I felt like I was watching a repeat apart from Go Towards Wearing His Hammer Pants which meant they had less comical value um, I missed those Hammer Pants already to be honest <laughs> the 
I don't know. I just found it fine. I thought it was fine. I thought it was serviceable. But, like, it's... I guess it's because within the series it is surrounded by greatness, but, like, still. Yeah, I I get your point. I do get your point. I think this was very, very similar with a few differences to that Dontaku match that we reviewed before. Um, Goto, when he was on offense, there were flashes of brilliance. Um, whereas I feel the whole point of not only the cup, you know, aside from, you know, getting Okada to another Tanahashi match, I feel like one of the big points of this cup was to sort of establish Okada's submission as a legitimate finisher. So obviously he beat Lance Archer with the red ink and Toriano with the red ink. Why didn't he um, use it against Gato then? He did. He used it as he used it for quite a long time. Why didn't he finish, uh, sorry, why, I should rephrase. Why didn't he finish Goto with it? I agree with you. I do agree with you. I think he should have done. Um, but it's a good question. I do think this is the point of the cut. I think this is the point. I think it's a case of right. Let's get Okada to um, evasion attack. Let's establish something else because again. In that first chapter, we had, you know, the the Rainmaker shock and then Okada targeting the neck and Tanahashi targeting the knee. You need something new so or a new hook. So let's try and establish that finisher because he did try it against Naito in the anniversary match from the previous year. Um, he didn't try it against Goto, sort of tried it against Tanahashi at the Dome, but I feel here in this cup was where it was properly established. And then dropped very quickly thereafter. With very, very, very good reason. Um, there's Obviously, the red ink is something completely different to the submission move he was attempting before, which was absolutely atrocious. It looked extremely convoluted and just looked like a real ball ache to get into. Um, this is basically an STF. Yeah, and that's fine, but also, like, nothing in Okada's moveset necessarily builds towards a submission like that. Well, you say that. His offense is all neck-based. I guess. But, like, for me, when I think the SDF, I think it's at least partly neck um, leg submission. Could you hook the leg? Yeah, I can see that. The way he locks it in against Tanahashi at evasion attack it is very much targeting the neck. Very much yeah. so. I guess, but also, like, I don't know, Okada just doesn't strike me as a submission wrestler. No, not at all, and that's because the more we've sort of gone on to um, Okada's reign and the more we could become accustomed to Okada as we head into 2020, we don't see him using that submission game at all. You know, I can't even remember anyway, the last time he broke out the red ink. I think he once managed somehow counted the Destino into it one time. I might be, I might be imagining it. Maybe, maybe. The big... Going back to this match... I personally didn't find it as exciting as their Dontaku match, and the reason for me is neither wrestler seemed to have a plan. And whereas, or there didn't seem to be a story beyond this is a tournament final. And, you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes that's all it needs. But I just think... In the Dontaku match that they had, you had Goto, who was still very... didn't want to acknowledge 
Okada as the champion. He was sort of dismissive of Okada, if you like. Here, we didn't even have that. We just had a Goto match, a very stereotypical Goto match, lots of strikes, lots of hard-hitting moves, to Okada, who just hit all his signature offense. I mean, don't get me wrong, we had a top-rope Ushigoroshi, which looked fucking incredible. Yeah, I'd write in the um, Dentaki match as well. Even so, it's still a great move. But again, yeah. it's like what he said. They are two very, very, very similar matches. And this, despite it being a cup final, still didn't have the heat it needed to have. Well, this was for me because um, there was like no character work for me in this match. No, none um, at all. And I agree, I agree with you like on that. This was, this was like the stereotype. Um, like, there's just been this weird thing where, like, um, people like Kevin Nash who get annoyed at all the trades people from not, um, people from Japan get about work rate because he just doesn't respect work rate, clearly. Um, he was like, oh, yeah, but we have no character. There's people in black stiffing each other. And like, well, some, sometimes that is definitely grounded in reality. See any Ishii match. Um, that's just not the case. One Most of what me and Rob ever praise on either this or the Sardom cast is for character work. Like, we just did the Sardom cast on Arisa Hoshiki, and every single match we'd be like, oh, you can see Arisa's character shining through. There was no character here. And, like, that sort of... No, I'm not into that. I'm not into matches like this. <laughs> Unless it's, like, in, like, the Never Division, where it's like, okay, that's definitely what you're going to get. And, like, a cup final where this dude's fighting for that one last chance to prove himself against the ace. I expect more character work. I agree. I do agree. And getting back to what you said about the Stardom cast, we praised Arisa for the development she showed throughout the run of yeah. matches we looked at. Whereas Against an opponent. Whereas whenever Okada seemingly is given someone who isn't Tanahashi, at this stage, he kind of can't deliver. Like The only non-Tanahashi person he's properly delivered against was... Naito and he kind of delivered against Anderson but he also laid an egg with um, Suzuki who went on to have a five star classic with um, Tana and then just again when removed from Tana it's just far less interesting I agree and you know the lack of heat bothered me because when heated Goto is one of the best in that company you know, you mm -hmm. look at his matches, look at Wrestle Kingdoms. He doesn't put on bad Wrestle Kingdom matches because he's basically they've lit a fire under him. Um, here, there doesn't seem to be that fire. He's hitting the moves. He's, you know, he's hitting the strong moves. He's hitting them quite stiffly, but it's not, it doesn't connect. It doesn't resonate. Okada, what you've got to remember is, yes, I understand that he is winning the New Japan Cup. He's already a one-time IWGP heavyweight champion. I understand that completely. He is still only a year into his reign. And I know oh. that's not an excuse because I know you're going to bring up Jay White, so don't. <laughs> How did you know? Because I knew you were going to say, yeah, well, Jay White had a great G1. Not against everyone. Not against everyone, because I've just rewatched that G1, and I'm sorry, there are some absolute fucking clangers in there, so... Have you seen the A block in the G1? It doesn't matter, there are some fucking clangers in there, and some of them are Jay White's fault. Yeah, I, I agree, but also we had an interesting match with Finley and Hangman, and like, 2018 Hangman just was shit. Because there was a story. There's a story with Finley, there's a story with... 
they've had a map that Goto is a previous um, was previously penciled in to be Tanahashi's placement, and Okada's a young gun who's set to take that um, rip that place away from him. There is a story here. Is that reference though? Is that reference throughout this? Have we no, had that referenced? That's my issue. It should be. Yeah, absolutely. But is that Goto's fault? Is that Okada's fault? Kinda, yeah. They they can weave that within their match. You can, even just like one little moment of like Goto looking at it and like I'm sick of this uppity young youngster coming from my spot. You can portray that without saying anything. Uppity. <laughs> like this uppity, yeah. Oh, this uppity young young scallywag, rap scallion. <laughs> anyway, I. I... Cricket clubs calling me posh. I live in a council state. <laughs> <laughs> this was given four stars uh, by Meltzer. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's high. To be honest, I think that's it's. Way... It's a high six, low seven for me. This this is a high five plus six for me. I was, but like the one thing I have to hang on to is the, um, Oshi Groshi up the top and like. Again, you build up the submission. We didn't even um, use the submission as a finish. It's just, it's, it's not. I'm, I'm not into this. I don't fuck with this at all. Um, it's like, not one that I would go back and watch. No, I'll, I'll is, give you that. If it wasn't for Yoshihashi and um, the Yoshihashi match of Wrestle Kingdom six, this would be the worst match in this series, um... and it wouldn't even be close. No, looking back on the matches, no, no, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, so, twenty-three minutes and fifty-two seconds. I think we should give it a six. It can be a middle six, then, can't it? If you've given it a high five, low six, I've given it a high six, low seven. Fine. Averages out at averages out at about a uh, a middle six. So, Okada wins the New Japan Cup, calls out Hiroshi Tanahashi, or to be more exact, Gado calls out Hiroshi Tanahashi. They square yeah, off. We didn't let Okada talk because he wasn't a good talker yet. <laughs> no. So they square off and the match is set for Invasion Attack on the 7th of April. Of course, this has now been replaced by Sakura Genesis. Yeah. The reason... Can I quickly talk about that? Because the reason it was called Invasion Attack is because um, you'd have um, champions from outside of New Japan come in. Like, we have the CML tag team titles defended on here and then the... Um, NWA belt, and then you had a couple outsiders up and down the card, which I think is actually, I think it gives it a unique flavor because, like, Secure Genesis at times, we didn't even have it last year, did we? And, like, at times, it can just feel like, oh, that's where the guy who wins the cup fights for the championship. Um, Yeah, we haven't had that in, I mean, we haven't had that since Shabbat, um, since ZSJ versus Okada. I was just going to say, if they had the, if they had a Rev Pro title defense on that card. No, maybe. I don't think so. Maybe. I I thought it was called Invasion Attack because originally it was um, in America. No. But the only American shows I can think... I might be wrong, but the only American shows I can think of before this were the... 2011 ones. Weird, yeah, the one where Charlie Hatt fought for the IWGP Championship. Was that not the first Invasion Attack, though? Um, Hold on, let me look up 2011 Invasion Attack. Okay. 2011... Invasion attack. I really hope I don't get like bright bath articles coming up. <laughs> um, nope, I got the 2011 military intervention in Libya. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. 
This is the high um, quality content you tune in for, guys. Um, no, it was called the Invasion of Foot. It was called the Invasion Tour Attack on the East Coast. So was that the first one? I guess so. Yeah. So I so imagine were... it's a mixture of both of them. Yeah, but I think that's what we changed it to because we didn't have another one outside of. Um, but yeah, I do miss that kind of flavor because again, it just becomes like another king of pro wrestling at that point, which is fine. But yeah, I know. I... no, I understand that. I like to have a flavor, like, and but I don't mean that translates to having like one gimmick. I'm looking at you, how in a cell, but like, like for example, Dominion has its own like mini Wrestle Kingdom. Um, by King of Pro Wrestling feels like oh this is the last stop on the way to Wrestle Kingdom um, Fantastic Mania is shit <laughs> World Tag League is the absolute pits why did you watch it all last year I don't get you I didn't watch all of it oh no you you jumped ship and you jumped ship and watched the Old Japan one didn't you yeah I did yes <laughs> which was we great go that. and check it out yeah we should can, can we just do that for Tag League this year We'll see. So, anyway, um, Chris. Bob's on this card, by the way. Go on, then. Okay, so the opening match is actually pretty good. I've seen it before. Time Splitters versus Apollo 55 because it went on a Time Splitters binge like a few months ago. Rob can vouch back forward on weird wrestling rabbit holes sometimes. Um, um, then there was an eight man tag, tag match, and I want to see this because I, you know, how I'm morbidly curious and want to see the world burn. Oh, God, I've just seen what it is. Aki Bono, amazing. Hiroshi Tenzan, Madabu Nakanishi and Super Strong Machine, you know, via Mobile 4, um, taking on Takushi Izaka, um, Izaka, Tomohiro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Bob Sap. Bob motherfucking Sap. Jesus Christ. Jesus the thing is, Bob Sap is over in New Japan, like his matches were shit, but like the New Japan audiences lapped it up because he had like a unique style. Have you seen his match yeah. against uh, Nakanishi? <laughs> yes, I have. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's it's not. It's certainly not great. It's not great, but also like extremely entertaining for all the wrong reasons. Of for course. all the wrong reasons, yeah. But I'll take it like entertainingly bad. I would take that over, say, Finn Jigs versus Gorillas of Destiny in Atlanta earlier this year, which is literally the worst um, New Japan title match I've ever seen because I hated it. It was the most dull thing I've ever watched. Um, anyway, El Terrible, um, which is an amazing name, <laughs> it translates to The Terrible, um, and Tamatonga taking on La Mascara and Valante. La Mascara, is that Sin Cara? No, that's not Sin Cara. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of a different gimmick. Um, the Complete Players, which, what a name. Of Masato Tanaka and Yujiro Takahashi took on um, Great Bash Shield of Homna and Makabe. And I didn't know Homna and Makabe were teaming at this point. I thought they were teaming like a year after this. Must have got it wrong. Um, Suzuki, by the looks of things, destroyed Yana, which at the end of the day isn't that what life's about. Um, Goto and Nagata took on Last of Seven of Shibata and Sakurawa. Um, Rob Conway, fuck off. Took on Kojima, um, Nakamura took on Davy Boy, and then Okada, and then we have Okada and Tana. So, as Chris has said, the main event is set: IWGP Heavyweight Championship match four between four, yes, four, no, three, 
Four. It is four. Uh, between Tanahashi and O'Kada. Look at the episode number, Rob. Um, that was like watching a fucking... I was listening to that, it was like watching Bambi learn to walk. I was like, is it four? Yes. Um. So before Chris talks about this one, I just want to quickly um, basically blow my load. Um, I thought this match was an absolute masterclass from start to finish. Everything we moaned about in the matches preceding it was in this match. Um, I talked before going on air with Chris about how Wrestle Kingdom 7 very much felt like the end of one storyline going into another. And I know Chris has said that he wanted this match to be the Wrestle Kingdom match because it had that big match feel. And though I agree... On that, I do feel like this match is more fitting at the start of another story arc than at the end of the other one because Tanahashi had to win that one. Okada's coming off the back here of two successive defeats to Tanahashi. He needs to win this one, and to win this one, he has got to change. So in this match, we aren't just getting Okada targeting the neck and Tanahashi targeting the knee. We have got a match rife with adaptations, with different things, with targeting limbs and selling of limbs that is second to none. I said in the previous match that Okada had only been in the company back from his Young Lion excursion for 18 months at this point, not even. And the man sold like no other person I've ever seen. Just little subtle things like swapping over his elbow pad because he needed the support to go up and do an elbow drop. Just to doing things like just shaking it every now and then, every time he did something, trying to work feeling into it. He didn't forget about his arm. It was beautiful. Tanahashi very, very quickly realised that even though he'd have enough of Okada's shit, he very, very quickly realised that he would have to adapt because Okada had scouted all of his offence. He went for the drop kick to the knee and Okada moved. He went for the sling blade early on. Okada moved. Okada was reversing everything and Tanahashi very, very quickly had to adapt and boy howdy did he adapt. Fucking hell. I mean, the inverted dragon screw leg whips that he does on the knees look like they absolutely wreck, but the fact that Tanahashi was adapting them and hitting them on the arms of Okada and watching this man physically writhe in agony was absolutely incredible. And literally, one of the best parts of this match was Tanahashi grabbing Okada's arm, punching the top of it and uppercutting the bottom of it just weakening this arm, both to make sure that he couldn't hit the Rainmaker and secondly, to give himself some breathing room because he knew he had to do something different. What a match, Chris. So, in the last couple, um, it's been a case of Okada can out-muscle Tanahashi and out-wrestle him, but Tanahashi just way smarter. And, like, this match, they sort of became an equal bagging because... Okada was like, you know what, maybe I probably shouldn't keep leaving my leg open to be attacked. <laughs> like, maybe, like, there was a natural progression, like, when, pe- when people talk about, um, like, progression in a feud, they always seem to revolve it around kicking out the finishes, when, like, here, there was such an obvious evolution between, like, and a su- such an obvious change in dichotomy of both men, 
like again, like Tanahashi is is in many ways like their first match where Tanahashi, um, where Okada surprised Tanahashi with how clever he can be, and Tanahashi didn't know how to respond, and that's what ended up. And like as you saw at the end of this match, and like Tanahashi loses to Okada when he gets desperate, and at the end of this match, Tanahashi was getting desperate. Like but that, that ending sequence was desperation city for both men, but like, okay, what if I hit my big move right now, I will win. It's been about firing. Yeah. And just yeah, this is my favourite of the series so far. Is it my favourite of the series? I don't want to spoil that. But also I will say there's the next two matches are incredible. Um well actually no, the next two matches after the match. Episode six and seven. Actually, we're discussing episode seven. It's all a bit weird right now. Um, but yeah, this is just so good. And like, you, I can't say anything that you didn't say. It's all, it's just perfect. Like, it's, like it stands in like that bubble where I'm, I'm actually trying to think if I'd think it was perfect if it was my, if it was my first one. Like, I'm sure I'd have given it a 10, but like a 10 doesn't always mean perfect. No, no, I understand that. It's a match that sort of blows your socks off. And it will have things that, you know, are wrong with it, absolutely. But here, for me, it's as damn near a perfect match as you're going to get. Yeah. Um, it's up there with my favourite New Japan match. It's, it's weird. Like, my favourite matches ever definitely aren't as airtight as this. Like, for example, Naito versus Omega. And I like that because they beat, um, they knocked lumps out of each other for half an hour. Um, like where I was here, it was more, it was more targeted. I, like I hate using the word cerebral because Triple H uses it as a stand-in for boring. But just again, but even that, that finishing stretch, despite the fact that Lindsay had been targeted, it wasn't unrealistic. That can be my biggest problem with a lot of matches. For example, someone like Kenta Miyahara can be selling a mat and his arm for his whole match, but then he's hitting super like um, German after German at the end of his match. Like whereas here, despite Lund's being targeted, it it, would, it like nothing didn't make sense. If that makes sense, yeah, it does absolutely. And you know, just to go back to Okada's absolutely phenomenal selling, it didn't matter whether it was him trying to lock in the aforementioned red ink, which he couldn't do. He couldn't get his arm round, and he sold it beautifully. Or even doing his rainmaker pose, he only he did it with both arms and immediately dropped his injured one because he couldn't do it with both. It's little story beats like that. It's little nuances like that that make a match absolutely incredible and must-see. And this was it for me. I said to you before we came on air, this might be one of, if not my favourite match ever. Because... What's it can be? On pure wrestling or just enjoyment? In... Let's just say, like, say you were to have, like, your Desert Island graphs. Um, just speaking from New Japan for a moment, because obviously we do do a New Japan podcast, um, you're looking at, obviously, all three of the Omega versus Okada series. Mm-hmm. Um, Twelve. <laughs> yeah, but even so, I still think I still think of a trilogy. I think of their G1 match. I think of their Wrestle Kingdom match. I think of their Dominion match. Yeah. The second one. Um, I think... The Naito versus Okada match from uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14, just because of long-term storytelling, wasn't the, you know, 
it didn't touch this on in-ring quality, but for long-term storytelling and feel-good factor, it's up there. Um, you know, Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi. Um, I thought the Hiromu versus Taji Shimori match from the best of Super Juniors 25. But I just think from limb selling, which is, you know, even Goto versus Suzuki from Wrestle Kingdom 12, which is one of my favorite matches yeah. ever. Honestly, with this, when it comes to like limb selling, it's up there with um, Suzuki and um, Tanahashi from the year before. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think because it worked into the finish, you know, Okada hits the Rainmaker. No one has ever kicked out of the Rainmaker at this point. He hits the Rainmaker, but cannot get to Tanahashi in time because his arm is too injured. And by the time he gets there, he kicks out. It's just, it's perfect. It really is perfect. Now, because Tanahashi hasn't spent the time working the knees, as he has done in all the other matches, when he goes for the high fly flow and Okada puts the knees up in every other match, because Tanahashi's worth the knees, Okada's in agony from putting the knees up. Because Tanahashi has had to change, because Okada's scouted all of his offense, he puts the knees up, he doesn't end up in that ridiculous amount of pain that he was in before. Therefore, he's able to get up quicker and he's able to capitalize quicker. But it, also, like, it's, Tanahashi is still very clearly thrown off his game. Yeah, absolutely. Abs- actually, I'm glad you mentioned that about being thrown off your game. There's one point really, really, really early in the match when Okada attempts some manner of submission move. I don't know the name of it. And it involves Tanahashi sitting on the ground and uh, Okada behind him. He puts his head on the floor and he attempts to basically headstand over the top of Tanahashi. So he's on Tanahashi's neck like, and head. Yeah, and it takes him four or five attempts at it before he gets it right. The Okada of last year would have gone to pieces. However, here, he laughs with the audience, allows Tanahashi out of the submission move, gives a subtle little wink and a thumbs up to the camera and is back on straight away. And that is the progress and the evolution of Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 6 to where we are now at Invasion ta- Invasion Attack 2013. Yeah, and like if your biggest issue in a match is, oh, he had a bit of trouble getting into a bridging submission move, then you're fine. Yeah. It's like, like someone told me, oh, um, Kuromi versus Osprey is bad because they whiffed one dropkick. I'm like, eh. And like in a in a match of half a billion moves, I think it can, I think it can forgive one not fully hitting. Yeah, for me, this match is damn near perfect. Yeah, like you're never going to get that perfect wrestling match. There's always going to be that one thing. Like for example, another one of my favorites is Omega versus Okada at um, Wrestle Kingdom, and there, there's definitely like limb work at the beginning that goes nowhere, um, and then this. Literally, any name me any of my favorite matches. There's issues in them, but like, who the fuck cares? It doesn't suppress what you feel. No, absolutely not. And of course, Okada does finally manage to win with the Rainmaker. Uh, after become... half a billion counters. <laughs> after honestly, the amount of counters. But again, even they seemed smoother, Chris. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, it's countering into a Rainmaker can so often seem contrived, but like. No, you can very much tell how desperate these these men were. 
everything just, felt natural. Like, we talked about how well, like, Arisa and Mayu in Stardom do Desperation. This is near that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's, there's nothing else we can say about this match. It's just, it's it's that good. You need to go and check this out. Of all the matches that we've watched of this feud so far, I'd say this, this alone is the match I would actively, actively seek you out to go and watch. It is mm. that damn good. It is limb perfection. Um, speaking of uh, manipulating limbs, um, after Okada has got the pinfall, Gato is on the microphone, but who should come out, Chris? And this is all coming full circle on this episode. But the man who defeated Okada at New Beginning, Minoru Suzuki. And he wants Okada's ass. Yes, but also, we're not covering that match next time, so I'm really unhappy that you've reached We might cover it. It depends. I mean, like, it's one of the um, appendix matches. Like, it's one of those matches we say, God, you way to watch if you have the time. But also, like, it's an Okada... It's an Okada-Suzuki um, match, so it's going to go on for half a billion years. That is true. That is true. Um, however, Chris, I recognise all we have time for. We're going to leave the feud there, and we will return post-invasion attack with Okada, beginning his second reign as the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But there is change in the air. Um... Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really... Before we tell them what we should watch for next time. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot. Go on, please do. Okay, so your main match is uh, Okada versus Devitt at Kazuna Road. Um, Devitt versus Tanahashi at Dominion. Um, get ready for a lot of that pace, you little fucker. And then Okada versus Tanahashi at the G1. Your bonus matches, Fali and Devitt versus Captain New Japan and Taguchi. Tana versus Anderson and Okada versus Suzuki at Dentaki. Um, Two of them are to see... To continue to see what Tanner and Okada are up to, and finally versus Devitt because that's the birth of a certain club. Hmm. Ooh, a certain. Um, <laughs> a, yeah. a certain club. It's too sweet. Also, um, watch Makabe at um, the Okada Makabe match at Dominion if you want to continue watching Okada defenses. It's decent. Um, the following. Um, also, the following G one matches. Okada Devitt day one, Ishii Tana day two for no other reason than it's a banger. Same with, with Shibata and Ishii later in the tournament. And then Devitt versus Tanahashi day four. And then there's literally nothing worth watching until day nine. <laughs> right. Anything else you want to say, Chris? Um, Dental plan. What? It's a Simpsons reference. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we really do appreciate it. <laughs> um, you can check out the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. It really does help us out. Check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, where you can check out all of our archived podcasts, as well as all of our New Japan Pro Wrestling match ratings, including the ones that we have rated from today. 